Welcome to Trials Miles Podcast, a podcast where we talk about life's ups and downs and the beauty of it all. I'm your host, Casey Hool. Okay, well, welcome to episode three of Trials and Miles Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to hear from some of my longest friends, David and Natalie Swenson. We go long back, way back, you guys, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, way back. (laughs) I remember it was what? It was like seventh grade or eighth grade track. Yep. And and yeah, I started that was a long time ago. A long time ago, like, I don't know, we're coming up on like 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. It's a small world because then we were neighbors, Casey. We were neighbors and we were, we went to the same church for like, for just a minute. They changed the boundaries like right after you guys moved in, I remember. But I remember going to girls camp with you one year. Do you remember that? Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and they ended up getting married to my friends from way back when. Yep. And Dave and I stayed friends forever, though, like all through high school and everything. So definitely. I'm super glad you guys um, decided to talk to me and yeah. said, okay. Well, we're really excited to be here. You know, it, uh, 2017 was a crazy, crazy year for us. Um, and so we're excited to talk about it, especially if it can help others or, you know, uh, yeah, and you guys, I mean, the reason I asked you guys on here, you guys have already been doing so much. But before we get into that, yeah. let's go back to, like we were talking about before, kind of your guys' background individually and then together, how you guys individually, kind of what makes you guys tick, and then, you know, how you guys met, yeah. marriage life, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> do you want to start or do you want me to start? Sure. I'll start with uh, a little bit about me, and then we'll get into a little bit about David, and then how our paths crossed. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, we both grew up in Cedar Hills, which it was just a small world. We, our families knew each other, but we didn't meet till later on in life. And so it was crazy after we met because we just like put connected all the dots you know like my grandpa knew his grandpa and just it was crazy but um so yeah I I've homegrown in Utah and I am a cosmetologist and um, I've been working doing that and used to really be into music and then now I'm I have a passion for fitness after I had my um, became a mom and had my first daughter and I sell activewear. Um, but that's where I'm at now. But that's some of my interests. So what about you, David? Yeah. So uh, so I guess a little bit about me. I I went to about six weeks of college before dropping out. I was at UVU um, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the English <laughs> class and I was paying for it myself and and I'm like, hey, I just dropped like four grand and I didn't have very much money at the time. And then uh, I was sitting in an English class and I was like, how is this going to help me in the marketplace? Uh, <laughs> and he didn't have a good answer. And that was my last day of school. So uh, mm-hmm. after that, I really got into, um, you know, I, I really started getting passionate about self-improvement and about business. Uh, and I really wanted to learn how to run a business. And so I started 
you know, after kind of moving around a, a couple of different times, I started working for startup companies. Um, and I'm on my third and it's been a blast. It's been a ton of fun. So, uh, the, and so, yeah. And then, and then after, you know, after really getting into startups and, and it's been, uh, it's been fun learning that. And then one thing that I've become really passionate about, especially this last year has been self-awareness and how to develop it. Um, and, uh, and for me, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, Natalie knows this. I'm a man of extremes. Like once I <laughs> direction, I, I go full tilt at it. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I mean, I just, uh, I just think that we have so much opportunity and we're so lucky to live at this time right now. Uh, and I just want to take advantage of every single moment of it. So. Yeah. I love that. And something, since I know you guys, I can brag about you guys a little bit. Natalie mentioned she was into music a little bit. Natalie has a beautiful voice. Oh. I've heard her sing. She's awesome. David, too, you got into music, right? You guys kind of. Yeah. That is actually how we met. Yeah. Was through music. I was going to say, I'd, I mean, we haven't been super close since high school because I've never been back in Utah since, really. But. I thought that's kind of how you guys met. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, I used to really be into it and kind of got into the whole singer-songwriter thing. And, um, uh, of course, like I said, me and Dave both grew up in Cedar Hills, but we never met. But inevitably, we had mutual friends. And there was this party going on. And uh, it was an open mic music party. And... So I took it as an opportunity. Okay, yes, I get to practice my music in front of a crowd. Here we go. And I just went, like, just to play music. And I wasn't there to find Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> find your one true love. Right. And so um, I'm at this music party, and that's where I met David. And yeah. he he was there singing that night, too, um, actually with another girl <laughs> David <laughs> he sang a duet and I was like oh I need to be friends with that guy he he's uh that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah so I and so I sang with another girl and then she left and I had actually you know I I, I kind of had gotten used to like I'm like oh I'll invite like five girls and then if one <laughs> shows up cool you know then it's it, it'll be good and, uh, and it became really <laughs> awkward because after that girl left Two girls that I had invited showed up like right around the same time. So, <laughs> and uh, and then before they showed up, I had met Natalie and I was not interested in talking to them anymore. <laughs> uh, so I ignored them the whole night. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, this reminds me, Natalie. Little did you know, David and I and our good friend Tessa used to have girl girl talk in art class. Yep. <laughs> and I could just like if we were back in high school, I could I can almost like picture you still like describing an instant like this and <laughs> all what was going through your mind and what we were gonna do about it and stuff. Oh, that's so funny. I I, I had almost forgotten about girl talk. That was so fun. Was we awesome. definitely had some girl talk. I remember how you told me I'm totally gonna embarrass you, but how you would like wait to see if a girl wanted to kiss on a date, how you would like not go on the very top step with her 
And if she hesitated, then you knew that she wanted you to like <laughs> kiss her or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny when I was in fourth grade, I realized that I was awkward. And so I had to overanalyze everything in order to become <laughs> capable of, of communicating. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that we, Tessa and I, were some ears to listen to you. And you caught a good one. So you obviously <laughs> matured well. I sure did. And, you know, uh, it was funny because all the tricks went out the, out the window uh, <laughs> once we started dating. So... <laughs> And Natalie's actually, well, yeah, I mean, she was by far the, the longest I'd ever dated somebody, and then we got married. And so it was, <laughs> the rest is you know, so. We have, so so fast forward, we have two little girls now. Yeah. So we have a two-year-old and a five-month-old. So Awesome. Yeah. And what are their names again? Evelyn and Olivia. Awesome. I, I knew I liked both their names. Those are such cute names. Uh, you liked it because it's Ev and Liv. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good nicknames. You always have to think of the nicknames that are going to come along with the names for sure. Yeah. It's funny. We Kay. think way ahead. We're like planning names. Yeah. Way <laughs> in advance. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Me and my husband need to get better at that. Both of our babies we've almost taken home from the hospital without names because we're so bad. <laughs> we like can never decide on names or we're both too stubborn to like concede to the name that the other likes or something. So we definitely, I guess, need to get better at it. I guess that means we need to have more kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you we want a few more kids. That's yeah. not a uh, babies, so keep them coming. all right you guys so you mentioned at the beginning that 2017 was a wild year yes um and i know it was full of job loss the loss of a brother um you started a new more risky job and to cap it off you had a baby in a very intense way (laughs) um do you guys want to kind of walk me through all of that kind of just tell us the story of all of it yeah yeah, yeah we'll kind of we'll both we'll be chiming in uh, on each other's stories as we go through it and try our best not to cut each other off too much <laughs> uh, we do that sometimes so you guys will have to be patient with us but uh yeah so we start out 2017 um i i had bought a uh, a marketing program and so i was starting to understand really digital marketing and learning more about that and I was working at a software company at the time, and uh, and you know it had been a, it had been a blast, but it really had started to become pretty toxic. And we just disagreed. We just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, finally one day I, I show up to work at eight thirty, and by nine o'clock I don't have a job, and I'm driving home. Um, and all during this is the beginning of the year. Um, we found out that um, we were expecting baby number two. Yeah. Which we had felt like it was time for our family to grow about um, six months prior to that. And so it took a while for us to, um, for me to get pregnant with baby number two, which was surprising because I got pregnant right away with Evelyn. And so it was kind of like, okay, when when is this baby going to come, even though we feel like it's time for our family to grow. Um, so it was exciting. And the first year we found out, you know, we were expecting and 
So that was exciting. But then yeah. a few months later, <laughs> I'm pregnant and David comes home without a job. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get home and honestly, I needed uh, I needed a little bit of time to just recoup. Like I, it, mm-hmm. it had just been, it had just gotten really negative, you know, just the whole situation there. Um, just where we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So it, uh, it was a good thing. It ended up being a really good thing that, that I lost that job, Stressful uh, but moment. it was, yeah, <laughs> it was the first time I had ever been fired. Uh, that was a crazy experience. Like that was a pride hit. Definitely. And I was like, right. what are we going to do about insurance? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it was all the like real world. Yeah necessities yeah. kind of came down mortgage you know car payments all that stuff hits you pretty fast so um so that was kind of intense and and you know we we took that time and I started looking into you know starting I was thinking about starting my own thing and we're going back and forth and um and then you know Brio came along which was a, a really good opportunity for us and so this was a new job and and learning a new industry and um, and they really wanted me to be there, which was cool. Right. So I, I came and mm-hmm. I did a lot of sales training and working with the guys. Um, and I was over three offices. So I had about, uh, it was like around 60 sales reps that I was working with, um, and helping them really start to understand sales. A lot of them are really, you know, beginners, uh, and, and didn't have a lot of, didn't have a lot of experience. So we were starting at ground zero. And so that was really cool. I really loved it, and it was a ton of fun. And then uh, we actually had – so one thing that you run into a lot in sales that maybe you don't run into as much in other industries is poaching of uh, of people. You know, people try to poach the guys that you've trained. You know, you've taken three months to train this guy in order for him to be effective so you can start making some money. (laughs) And then uh, right about that time is when you have to start watching for – uh, guy, other guys and other companies start to poach your guys. Uh, and so what happened was there was uh, the guy just above me as well as my general manager tried to recruit my whole team. And so it was crazy. Like I, I planned this meeting and nobody shows up. I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? Uh, and behind my back, they said, hey, we're going to do a breakfast just to recognize some of the best sales reps. Really, they're trying to get him to switch over. Um but uh, none of them switched over. So I was able to save, save them. <laughs> yeah, I was able to save 25 guys. I didn't take one of them. And uh, that's awesome. Which was really cool. Yeah, that was yeah. an intense day. It was talking with each one of them and, and, and breaking down the difference. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm like, you've got two choices you can make. Like, you know, it, it comes down to making an emotional business decision, right? Something that feels right and makes sense. And so trying to figure out how to navigate that was, it was actually really enjoyable. It's stressful, but it was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And because of that, they offered me, uh, you know, a profits-based ownership in the company, uh, which was really cool. That was like a really, you know, it was pretty generous and and we were excited to get it started. It was risky, really risky. Big step. <laughs> yeah, a really big step. But it was the step that I've been wanting to make for quite a while. So um, we were excited to take it, but it was all um, getting like the job transition was right at the end of my pregnancy, and so we were, you know, it was a risk, getting nervous, but we mm-hmm. decided to take that leap. 
Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, four days later, uh, after doing that, like we committed on Monday. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then on Thursday, on Thursday afternoon, we went out to dinner with my mom. And during it, she got a text from Ashley, Paul's wife. And she was like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm going to just check in on her, you know. And we're like, okay, see you later. And then about 9.30 that night, um, I get a phone call from my mom. And she's like, hey, Paul hasn't come back. And Ashley's really worried. Uh, would you mind driving up to the to a cabin? So we have a cabin up American Fork Canyon. And we go, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, no problem. And I drive up there. And what was interesting is, so I pull up to the cabin and like my heart was racing. I felt like a little kid, you know, and I'm like, and so I started thinking, I'm like, okay, I have a gun. I've got the priesthood. Like I, I, there's very little, there are very few things that I can't handle here, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so then I go and I check the cabin and no one's there. And my heart kind of drops a little bit. And I'm like, ah, he's probably fine. You know, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. your brain goes. It's like, he's totally fine. It's not a big deal. Well, yeah, you never assume the worst. You know, it's hard to assume. I mean, of what actually happened to Paul. Nobody, nobody's mind goes there, right? That stuff like you hear on movies. Yeah, yeah, that totally. And and so I was like, okay, he's fine. He's probably just maybe they got in a fight and he just had to go vent. Maybe he's up in the mountains somewhere. You know, not a big. Mm-hmm. So I drive back down the canyon. Which oh, and and by the way, I guess I didn't mention this. Um, so I was actually going to be on a river trip. And that's where all of my other siblings were besides me and Paul and my oldest brother, Steve. Um, and, uh, and I was going to go on the river trip, but I just got this offer to become an owner. And I'm like, I have to stay home and make sure that this works. Uh, right. And they're like, Hey, we totally understand. We'll go next year. I'm like, cool. And that's why my mom called me, not my dad. Right. So it's just me and my mom at the beginning. <clears throat> and, so I call, as soon as I get out of the canyon, I call Natalie and I'm like, hey, I really feel like I need to go and be with my mom tonight because I don't want her to be alone and scared and worried about Paul. And she's like, hey, I totally understand. So I go up to my my uh, to my mom's house and I'm still thinking like, okay, tomorrow I've got to go to work. And like, I, you know, I hadn't really like shut that stuff off yet. And I'm like, I can't. Right, what right. I'll do, I'll show up and I'll help. And then, you know, I'll be able to leave at 10 o'clock and I can still get back and, and get some work done. And, you know, that's kind of where my mind was is like, we'll find Paul and he'll be somewhere or whatever. And it's not a big deal. Um, and then we, and then I, I drive up. Uh, so I go to my mom's house and at about, you know, 12 o'clock at night, they're like, Hey, we just found the car, but Paul's not in it. I'm like, ah, that's weird. Like, should we drive up there? And they're like, no, just stay home. It's not, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. And then about three in the morning, my mom's just kind of starting to stress out a little bit. So I call again and we're like, hey, can we come up there? They're like, no, we like, we're all just sitting at the police station. There's nothing to do. So we're like, okay. So we wait until about six in the morning and then me and my mom drive up and I get the address of where they found the car. Uh, so we drive up there and, you know, and my mom like is so stressed. She can't eat and stuff. So I'm like, that's okay. Like it'll be fine. And then we drive around, just drive the streets to see if we can see Paul walking around, you know? Uh, Mm Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I wait until about eight 30 
And then I'm like, hey, mom, I'm going to just start knocking on doors. And so I start knocking on people's doors and waking them up. And, uh, and, and we're in a really sketchy part of, uh, of West, West Valley. So I leave my gun in the car with my mom. I'm like, if anybody approaches the car, like, <laughs> like, you know, this is how you use it. This is how you turn the safety off. And, um, and I just start going and knocking doors and it's just me. And then my brother, Steve shows up and he starts knocking doors with me. And, you know, that it was, it was interesting. We found out later from our, uh, from our private investigator, that's like where all the crack houses are. That's where a lot of drugs could pass through. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to those guys a lot of the time, you know, I was talking to a lot of the dealers and people like that. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, there was, uh, oh, and we'll continue on with the story, like how, uh, you know, that's, that was the beginning though of the, the worst two and a half weeks of my entire life, uh, by far. Right. And so, uh, and then I call Natalie and I, I call my work and I said, Hey, my brother's missing. Like I'm not coming in. Uh, I hope that's okay. Like if you can have someone help me with my office while I'm gone, I'd really appreciate it. And they're like, yeah, dude, no problem. And, and so then, and then it began, you know, we started um, search party. Yeah. So many people came to help. Yeah. It was, that one was one thing that was really amazing, you know? So, I mean, we had by five o'clock that evening, we had a helicopter in the air, like looking over the streets, seeing if we could find out where Paul was. Um, and, uh, and, we had scout and we had hundreds of people show up. It was crazy. So passing out flyers, pasting mm-hmm. them everywhere. Yeah. So I remember that day super clearly, actually, because obviously we're friends. I knew Paul. I think we had hung out with him a couple of times, like during high school and stuff. And I mean, I didn't know him that well, but it's always shocking to hear something like that happening to somebody who you actually know, right? I mean, David, we were like best friends during school. And then I hear about your older brother. We were driving down to California that day when you started posting stuff on Facebook. And I started seeing all these things all over about Paul's missing, Paul's missing. I, I mean, the drive was 10, 12 hours long. And I was glued to my phone the entire time, just waiting for updates, trying to like share everything I could. And I mean, every gas station we stopped at, I was looking for his red hair. I was just like, we have to find Paul. Yeah. (laughs) It's just kind of surreal. And it really was, it was really strange. And, you know, and I still remember that night I was getting irritated because everyone started going home. I mean, it's 10 PM. They're not going to find him. You know what I mean? I'm like, look, I'm mm-hmm. not stopping. And so now I'm on about 48 hours, you know, so I go and get some caffeine and one of my, you know, I, you remember Dermont, right? Dermont Robert. Right. So yes. Flies mm-hmm. in from California and he's like, dude, like, let's keep looking. I'm here for three days. So I'm like, cool. So we get in the car and we're posting flyers and we're just driving and, uh, and we go all night, you know, we went to every bar we could think of, um, you know, we kept searching places, trying to see if, you know, where would he be? You know, it's, and now it's been 48 hours and. And I was so worried about Dave because days started passing and he would just be gone, like just searching nonstop. That's what you do. You know, you just, you don't stop, mm-hmm. but he wasn't 
eating. He wasn't sleeping. And he'd just go, go, go. And I mean, it was, it was scary. Yeah. Yeah, especially you being very pregnant at this time, right? You yeah, were- I was nine months pregnant. And there was so much stress. Like- I'd help out as much as I could. Um, there, we would have like a search base where everyone would come and pick up flyers and get like an area assignment. And um, it was so hot. It was so hot. And being nine months pregnant and just with all the stress, it was um, putting a lot of stress on me. And um, I kept getting tons of contractions. And um, we had a, a few times I thought that I was going into preterm labor throughout all the stress too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That doesn't ever help anything in a stressless situation. It doesn't. And so we're, we're like, you know, and, and then my brother, all my brothers came in and we're all just searching, you they know, I mean, the river they get back from the river run and I was so glad to have my dad there, you know, cause I was like, I was trying to run this thing. It was like a mess. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then we started getting it, like we started doing some serious searching. Like at one point we had, I mean, we had guys like, I mean, we were really bold with people. I mean, it, I was, I remember one night I went from, uh, I, I had hiked up Alta uh, and down into Brighton and we had watched for campfires. We're like, maybe he's up camping or something, you know what I mean? And, um, and mm-hmm. so then, but there weren't any campfires. So then we go down and the next thing I know, I'm like putting on a hoodie and I'm walking down the sketchiest parts of Salt Lake, asking people and showing my brother's picture. Um, and we had a few situations where like, I was legitimately like, it was weird. I was scared, but I was also not, it was this weird feeling. And, and, and this is kind of something that, uh, you know, in term, afterwards I studied a lot more about it. And, and this is, you know, with everything like this, you always get a gift. I feel like every time you go through a trial, you receive a gift. Um, and mm-hmm. my, and one of mine among many, many others was I got to face my shadow. I got to face like kind of this like dark gritty side of myself. That's, that's immovable. Like it, it, it was, it was a weird situation. Like I'd be talking to guys that are literally like drug dealers. Like I would see them dealing drugs uh, and there would be hookers on the corner and stuff. And I'd be talking to pimps and, and, but I wasn't, I was like nervous, but I wasn't scared. I don't know how to explain it. Like I was like aware, mm-hmm. but I was, I was not scared. You're just like willing to do anything yeah. to find Paul. Yeah. And, and there was seriously, and, and it was kind of interesting because the, the private investigator afterwards said, he's like, if he's like, if I ever get lost, like, like please send your family after me. Um, because we were willing. That's a big compliment. That's a really big compliment, yeah. really. And uh, and we were just willing to do anything to bring him home. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember I would get so mad. We actually got really close to where he ended up being, where his body was. Uh, and he passed away within, with I mean, within hours of his, him being separated from the car. Uh, and we were we were I mean. Um, you know, multiple times family members as well as friends were literally within a couple hundred yards of where he uh, ended up being flushed out. His body ended up being flushed out. And so, um, you know, it, it, we were about two and a half weeks in and it was a Sunday night and Natalie was having contractions and 
and really bad contractions. They were starting to get pretty regular. Um, and we were at my parents' house and someone posted, they're like, please don't, please tell me this isn't Paul. And it's, and it just said, you know, dead body found, um, in, uh, in the river. And I'm like, no, that's not Paul. Like, it was like instantly like, no, that's ridiculous. It's not Paul. It's not like, it just isn't. So that wasn't an mm-hmm. option for us. Yeah. Like we were going to find him. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, I, and then we go home and Natalie's kind of having contractions quite a bit. So we're like, Hey, maybe we might be having this baby pretty soon. Um, and we put off life now for almost three weeks and it's like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do? And then my dad calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, it's him, you know, it's Paul. Mm-hmm. And I went into shock. Mm-hmm. Like I told Natalie and I was in shock. Like I couldn't feel anything. I'll never mm-hmm. forget that moment. Yeah. I mean, do you remember anything that was like going through your head? What I mean, I almost feel like my heart stops when you just just went through that account of just having your dad call you and tell you that they found your brother and you guys were pretty close if I remember. Yeah, me and Paul were really Uh-oh. close. Um, we fought a lot and we were also very, very close. Yeah, he was just, just older than you, right? Yep. He was the closest in age yep, to you. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, you know, I had gone to a movie with him that Tuesday before, you know. We hung yeah. out with him on that Monday. Yeah, on that Monday and Evelyn was sitting in his lap and he was, and which Evelyn is very, at least at that time, she's very stranger danger, but she just sat in his lap the whole time and played with him. And, um, and one thing with Paul, I would always talk about my ideas. I'm like, Hey, like, here's my idea. Here's this next thing. And I would, and he would always listen, you know? Um, and we would Mm -hmm. bounce ideas off each other and it was just so much fun. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I just thought I'm like, I have to go see my parents, you know, I have to go there. So we go up, we go up to the house. We had someone come and watch the girls. If I remember, or the girl, we didn't have two of them. <laughs> um, and we went up there and, and, you know, me and my dad just hugged each other and, and held each other. And, um, and as a family, we just all were there. And I remember my sister, I just held her for a long time and all cried. Yeah. And it was just this, it was, uh, it was just this moment um, we had faced something as a family. My, my mom actually almost passed away when I was 12. Um, and it, it just reminded me of that experience. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we just, we just held on to each other. And I remember it was really strange for me as we started like processing this, um, that, I would get like mad when people were like, Oh, like he's in a better place. Like it would, that would make me angry. Uh, and Mm -hmm. I was like, no, like this just sucks. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Like people trying to make it better would actually so Mm -hmm. angry. Uh, and I would try not to, you know, I'm like, they're they're doing it out of love. Like they're not trying to, you know what I mean? But it just, it makes you angry. And it was, um, Mm -hmm. and that's really where like, you know, I started, uh, I had like, and, and then we'll get into this here in a minute, but I just started, you know, it was this mix of awe and anger. 
you know? Um, mm -hmm. So many emotions. Yeah. And so we start preparing for the funeral. And I honestly don't remember those days very well leading up to it. I remember I, I went to write Paul's because they said, hey, Dave, would you like to speak? I'm like, yes, I would love to speak. Um, and I kept trying to write Paul's, like the talk for Paul's funeral. How do you do that? Yeah. Um, I literally ended up writing like six words. Uh, and I just couldn't. I couldn't write it. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was, and so then I prayed a lot and I just said it like, I'm like, Heavenly Father, like, you tell me what Paul needs to, what Paul needs to say and what others need to hear. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, we, as a family, we, we started having some really tender experiences, but I just remember I got up there and, um, I had never felt that kind of sorrow before. Like that kind of just mm -hmm. deep, like it just went, it was, it's, it's like the equivalent of when you hold your child for the first time, but in the opposite, you know, right. where you can't understand how much you can love a little baby. Um, it was that same amount of pain, but in the, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so then we, you know, we give the talks they are extremely spiritual and they're very uplifting actually. Like, you know, and, and the whole stake center is filled all the way to the back and the halls are filled. And, uh, and, you know, and people are coming up and hugging me and, you know, people I hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, I remember one of my friends, um, uh, Giovanni Della Corte that like, I hadn't seen since <laughs> elementary school or the very beginning of junior mm -hmm. high. And, uh, and he came and, and I just remember there's so many faces and so many wonderful people uh, there to support us. Yeah. I hope everybody, I remember an instant like that for me when Nate was going through cancer and David, you were actually there. Yeah. Um, it, everybody needs one of those moments in the midst of a trial, in the midst of sorrow. Mine was that 5k race that they put on for Nate I remember just being terrified to go there. But once I got there, I just I was trying to hold back tears the entire time because I was getting hugs left and right from people I didn't know, from old friends. David, you came and gave me a hug. Like It's so uplifting to see how much support and love that we can give to each other yeah. in the midst of this like terrible thing that's going on. Yeah. You can still feel love. I hope everybody can have a instant like that. I don't wish trials upon anybody, but it's an amazing feeling kind of to feel that kind of love and sorrow at the same time. Definitely. And it's, you know, it was, it was really pretty transformative moment, you know, uh, where, and, and I'll get more, in, I, I just feel like this year has been a lesson in opposites, you know, that everything has its opposite. Mm -hmm. And with darkness comes the light every single time like if you're going through something dark light will come and uh and and we'll get more into what happened afterwards but um but that was my experience like it was you know i i just think in moments as well as in really all creation like the first thing that happens is the separation of light and darkness like all the gray goes away all the stuff that doesn't matter goes away um, and you're mm -hmm. left with like just these opposites, this like deep 
pain and then this extreme amount of peace uh, kind of hit simultaneously. And it's, it's a really, really interesting experience. It is. Yeah. Um, let's back up. I know you still have a pretty crazy part of the story yeah. that I'm sure Natalie can chime in a little bit more about. Um, but tell us a little bit about Paul. Cause I mean, I knew Paul somewhat, this was pretty unexpected of him, right? He's not somebody to meet his end like this, right? Do you want to just give yeah. us a brief overview about Paul? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so Paul was, Paul was like a, a trickster. You know, he was always joking. He was always uh, playing pranks on people. Funny voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the life of a party. Yeah, always. And he always made us laugh and, he was all. He was also a really an includer. I mean, I think that uh, I just you know all of the stories, all the people that I met, and the lives that he impacted by just he really loved people, you know. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, I I still remember like whenever he would have you know in business or whenever like he felt like someone had done him wrong or like betrayed him, like it really hurt him um, because he just loved mm-hmm. others so much and. And, you know, he was always quick to just make, make, you know, just make you laugh, but he was also always quick to suffer with you. Um, I, I still remember we went on a river rafting trip. This was the year before. And, uh, at the very end of the river rafting trip, there's miles and miles of flat water as you go into Lake Powell. And Mm -hmm. we had about a 50 mile an hour wind coming up river uh, and no current. So if you stopped rowing, your boat went up river. Um, and so, and our engines went out, we had motors, but our engines all went out. So we're, me and Paul were like one person pulling back, the other person pushing forward. We rowed for, we just row one after another for about, uh, it was about eight and a half hours long, um, of constant oh, rowing in order to get back to the shore. And and I just think that's how he lived his life. Like he would connect with people and then he would, uh, he would take care of them and he would, he would suffer with them in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, and I think that I, I don't know exactly what happened or, or exactly what was going on for him to end up in that river. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people speculated and a lot of people said some pretty terrible things. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, Paul really did love people and he never was going out to hurt anybody ever. Like he was so caring mm-hmm. of others. Um, and you know, I, that's why I think he was such a good listener too. Like he would, he would just listen and he would take the time to focus on one person at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. So what is, what is it like um, not knowing how he ended up in the river does that haunt you yeah. guys i i try to put myself in your shoes sometimes and i'm somebody who wants closure who wants the facts who i'm like no just tell me like even if it's gonna hurt me just yeah. tell me you know and i feel like that would just rack my mind have you guys come to peace with that or is it still something you guys have to process you know, um i i hadn't come to peace uh, with that until about the last like three or four weeks uh, is when I really did. Because one thing that's really difficult is 
you start rethinking everything, you know? So the morning that, uh, on the morning that he went missing, um, I had three distinct impressions to call him and I didn't, you know, I didn't call. And Mm -hmm. I like, I was like, Hey, you should call Paul. Like first thing when I woke up in the morning and then later in the day, and then again, you know, before lunch, like, Hey, you should just call Paul, see how he's doing. Um, and I didn't, you know, and that, uh, that killed me for a while. Um, Right. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and, uh, and I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'll hand it over to you too, Natalie. Like, I think I just had to get to the point where, um, you know, either everything in life is a miracle or nothing is. Either it happens mm-hmm. on purpose or it, nothing happens on purpose. And so, um, and I just had to make that choice. That happened on purpose. Yeah. Those are hard choices, but I, I love what you said. Lots of times when you're faced with these hard times, what it takes is a choice. Like we have the control. I mean, we can't control, you couldn't control Paul's death, right? You couldn't control lots of those big things, but you can control how it affects you and how you're going to live with it, right? And I I mean, just kudos to you that you made that hard choice that you were going to accept and accept it as a miracle of some of the, the good things about it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it, it, it was weird. I finally have gotten to the point where I don't know if I can say that I'm grateful, but I'm really close to being there like I feel a lot of peace I'm sure I'm sure you're recognizing yeah I'm sure you're recognizing like you said the light side of the darkness you know it it takes a while and I'm sure you can use this experience your entire life to make that contrast of the light and darkness I like that analogy you used um so Natalie, I, I want to hear from you a little bit because I, I know that you have a pretty significant part of this story after Paul's funeral. It's it's your time to shine. Can you kind of tell us, kind of tell us what happened post Paul's yeah, funeral? So it was definitely a crazy few weeks, and like I said, David went nights without sleep, days without eating. It was just a really stressful time, and I was nine months pregnant at the time. And um, when we found out that we um, found his body and were preparing for the funeral, I was just praying, like, please, bless that this baby will stay in. We can't have the baby come, like, before the funeral. Like, how stressful. And and it was mm-hmm. amazing. Like, David mentioned that Sunday um, when we got the news, I was having a bunch of contractions, like, we think this baby's coming. Um, and then the contractions just stopped. It was pretty crazy. And the funeral came, and it was such a long, long day. I don't think we've right. ever cried so hard. And we were finally home that night, and we're just silent. And David finally goes to sleep. And I'm thinking, I hope he can get some sleep and finally get a little bit of closure and we go to bed and here we go I wake up to some contractions and 
with Evelyn, I did not go into labor. Um, my water started leaking with Evelyn, and so I had to be induced. So I didn't know what it was like to go into labor. I always heard stories that, like, you have to time your contractions for an hour, and they have to be so far apart or whatever. And so I get up, and um, I try and, like, walk them off and try and lay back down. But then they start to get in intense enough that I can't lay back down and so Mm -hmm. I start just like pacing our front room and I'm like okay um what do I do (laughs) I like bounce on the little (laughs) yoga ball and then I'm like okay I've like read people's birth stories that like sometimes if you take a bath it can like ease up the contractions you know because it could be like false labor or whatever and so I go in the bathroom like start the tub And then the contractions just, like, start picking up, and I'm like, nope, I'm not getting in there. (laughs) It starts to get to, like, where I can't breathe through them, and so I start timing my contractions, and they start to be, like, every 45 seconds, 30 seconds, like, almost, like, not breathe. (laughs) And um, I start timing them, and I'm, like, trying to wait an hour, and then I just pray. I'm like, okay, I just – I need to know if I'm in labor because I don't, for one, it's the middle of the night. I don't want to wake up David. We just had a crazy long day and he needs sleep. Mm -hmm. Another thing is our two-year-old is asleep. And if we go to the hospital, I don't want to be sent home. I've heard of so many stories of people being sent home. Like what a hassle. I've I've been sent home. It's Yeah. And so (laughs) so I prayed and then it happened. It hadn't been an hour. It had only been like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I just felt like, okay, hey, you need to wake up, David. And so <laughs> I go into the bedroom and so like quietly, I just like tap David on the shoulder. I'm like, because I like, I just felt so bad waking him up. And I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm like, Believe or not, but my contractions are getting pretty intense. And then he like is just staring at me because he's kind of confused because I'm like gently waking him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right at that moment, they just start like getting, they just start knocking my breath out. And then he just like all of a sudden jumps up into gear and he notices, he's like, okay, this is different. This is the real deal. He can just tell. Oh, I'm like, I don't know. But. <laughs> Um, and so we're like trying to like work it out. Good thing I had my hospital bag packed, but we're like, what do we do about Evelyn? Um, let's call my brother. He lives in Lehigh. Um, and then the contractions just kept piling on. Dave's like, we don't have time for your brother to come. Like we need to go, even though we called him and he's like, yeah, I'll come. But he lives 20 minutes away. And so Dave just like runs out into the street <laughs> with his bare feet and he just starts looking around and our neighbor light was on and he just goes over and starts pounding on the door <laughs> and um, this I woke him <laughs> up at 3 20 a.m so this is three o'clock in the morning and the our neighbor John just opens the door like somehow he's awake and he's like dude we're having a baby can you just like come over to my house while we're waiting for my uh, he said, my brother-in-law to come um, while Evelyn's asleep. And he's like, yeah, let me just grab my shoes. And so before he's even in our house, we get in the car and just start zooming to the hospital. And 
luckily there was no traffic or anything and we lived pretty close to the hospital um but it just turned getting pretty intense and drive up to the hospital don't even park our car and we just start going in and there's just like one security guard and he just is just like staring at a computer screen and we're like panicking as we're going in and he, uh dave's like where are your um wheelchairs, wheelchairs? and he's just like he just like points <laughs> nonchalantly like over to this corner and we're like ah and so over and there's <laughs> dumb wheelchairs that you have to like hold the handle to push so you have to like Hold them in. Yeah, and it has so, a lever, so it'll it'll lock the tires if you don't pull the lever. Yeah. And oh we gosh. get in there and, like, get into the elevator and, like, go up. And we go up to labor and delivery and call on their little phone. And they're just like, hi, welcome to labor and delivery. How can I help you? <laughs> and like, we're having a baby. Open the door. <laughs> so they open the door, but it's this big, heavy door. And so he's trying to hold the door open while, like, holding the wheelchair lever or push me in. And he can't do it. And I'm just like, I got to go. And so I just stand up and I start running down the hallway. And the nurse cat, like, greets me. And she's like, what's your name? Who's your doctor? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> and it was like so intense. And um, we get to the um, room and I sit on the bed and the nurse is like, whoa, this baby's coming right now. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, what about the meds? What about the meds? And like I promise we'll give you meds after I am not prepared for this I did not mentally prepare for a natural delivery um and so I was just scared out of my mind and and then Dave comes in and four minutes later little Olivia was in our arms and it was the craziest time ever because um I woke David up at 3:20 and she was born at 3:37. So that's insane. <laughs> like insane. Coming from somebody who's had two kids as well, like that just blows my mind kind of how it went so fast and how how you survived, I guess. Like how you didn't know the baby was coming, you must have a pretty <laughs> no. high pain. When she woke me up, I knew that something like was happening because she does have a super high pain tolerance. And so when she wakes me up, she's like, I think it might be. I was like, <laughs> I was like this is happening. We have to leave right now. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah, was not prepared for that, but it was, it was crazy. Cause I just like prayed. I'm like, I need strength to do this. And the strength came oh. and um, it turned out to be, one of the most sacred spiritual moments of my life. Um, Welcoming her into the world that fast because um, I get so choked up about it Um, just because that day before was so hard. And with the sun setting, we laid Paul to rest. And then that morning, as the sun rose, we welcomed our little Liv into the world. Um, 
And we just felt him so close. We felt Paul so close, and we just felt like he sent her to us, sent her on her way. <laughs> he could have sent her in a little slower manner. It was he was probably smirking about it as yeah. he was watching. And I still remember I was holding Olivia. And then you asked the nurse, this is probably like 10 minutes after. You're like, how much does she weigh? And the nurse is like, oh, yeah. Uh, give me a baby. We're like, oh, okay. So I'm like <laughs> holding her and it's, it like she hadn't been cleaned or anything. Like It's just David and the nurse that delivered her. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So, and I still remember. Yeah, you don't think about things like that when you're in such a like high no, stress situation. Don't. I remember Le- Natalie's leg was sticking out, and she was like, <laughs> and the nurse looks at me. She's like, "You have to get her to, to like put her legs together, like not together. One of my things, bend her legs." And so I grab her leg and I just like force it, just like muscle her leg in, in, so it's bent, so she can have the. Delivery. Anyway, it was just such a crazy, crazy experience. <laughs> so, what what was that con? You guys kind of touched on that, but what's that contrast like to end life and start a life? Did that did that help in the healing process at all? To um, to yeah. have a brand new life in this time of like deep sorrow. It's just pretty crazy because, as I said at the beginning. Um, when we felt like it was time for our family to grow and then it took us a little bit to get pregnant, we just know without a doubt that Olivia came when she was supposed to. Just the timing of it was unreal. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the next day there was a rainbow, like some 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 light showers happened. And one of my friends posted, they're like, oh, cool, a rainbow over, like it was like the Alpine area, you know? Um and mm-hmm. it was it was very very healing it just felt like it was like okay like god's making it so obvious there's no way we can mistake it you know mm-hmm. um and i think i think god knew exactly at least for me what i was about to go through and i know natalie uh what natalie was about to go through over the next 6 months like processing exact you know that two and a half weeks um and and what came along with it it was just, yeah, it was, we needed that, that, that calm reassurance that God is watching over us because the next couple of months was the marathon. Like that was the sprint and the mm-hmm. marathon came next. So. What, what were those months like? Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through it and tell us how, I guess it was probably the grieving yeah. process, so, right? So of- I'm. I'm a very passionate person. Like I said, I'm kind of a man of extremes and I, uh, I was just so angry. You know, I would go and I would listen to Paul, listen to this album by Imagine Dragons a lot before he passed. And there was this one song called believer and it says pain. You make me a believer. That's like one of the main parts of the song. And I would go to the gym every mm-hmm. single night at about 10 30, 11 o'clock. And I wouldn't come home until about one in the morning. Um, and I would just lift weights. I was just like, I just needed to, you know, I needed a, a dragon to fight kind of to get out this anger. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to get angry around Natalie. I didn't want to get angry around my children. Um, and so every night there's like, I would go through this therapy session where I would just sweat it out. Um, 
and I would push my body to its absolute limit. Uh, and then I would go in the sauna and no one else is there. <laughs> right. So, one and so I would just enough. sweat and cry. And then I would go home and I would be tired enough to sleep because I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't, you know, every night, mm-hmm. like I would start thinking about him. Uh, and it was like a, you know, when we first found out that he had passed and we came home that night, it was like a physical pain. Like I didn't feel anything. And then we shut the lights off and I, I, Natalie, you probably remember this. It literally felt like someone stabbed me, you know, and all of a sudden it was just like an overflow Mm -hmm. of, of emotions and I was just bawling. And so I would, I would go to the gym. I actually, (laughs) I gained 15 pounds over about a four, four month period. Um, and, uh, of it just because I was going to the gym so much and, and then I would protein and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I needed, I needed something to run against, I guess. Uh, All right. mm-hmm. And so what happened, what happened next was, so my business was, uh, obviously if you take a month off when you take over a business, it's not going to do very well. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> uh, this office was kind of dying and I was trying to revive it. Um, and so, so we had Olivia on Saturday and on Monday, um, I was back at work trying to figure this out. And mm-hmm. what proceeded over the next four months were about, you know, between 70 to 80 hour weeks trying to make it work. With getting no paycheck. Yeah. We went between losing the job at the beginning of the year and then this, we went about half the year without a paycheck, which yeah. was pretty stressful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's scary. And, uh, and so what happened, you know, I, so I go, I, and so the next week I fly out and I'm out there. I got to talk to Natalie when I, when we get home. So when I get home and so then I fly home and, uh, and Saturday, so I fly home, I get home Friday Friday night and Saturday morning, um, I just asked Natalie, I'm like, Hey, like, did something happen when you were a kid? And if so, you need to tell me about it right now. And that was really hard because I had never opened up ever in my life. And it was crazy because we had so much going on and then it turned into a huge mental battle on my part of, opening old wounds, um, and really facing dark, scary places from my past. (laughs) Um, just on top of everything, trying to adjust kids and Mm -hmm. it was just hard. It was scary. Um, and it's, (laughs) I don't even know how to explain it. It just, the timing of everything. I mean, there's never a good time for trials, right? Right. And sometimes they just hit you and you have to learn to move forward. And it was really hard. Um, and then it ended up being a really good thing because I was able to finally get the healing I've needed for so long and a huge, huge weight lifted Mm -hmm. off my shoulders. 
And I would probably still be holding on to all of that still if Mm -hmm. this didn't happen, if all the crap didn't happen. Um, Sometimes you have to go through a lot of crap to get to the good. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we try to, we try to cover up like our weaknesses and our, and our trials with like guilt, you know, like, you know, when they say there's like a gilded armor or gilded, like, like it's something that you try to cover with gold to make it look, but it really is Mm -hmm. something that it, it takes that opening up and accepting it and owning it that actually makes it, turns it into gold. You know, it's not gilded anymore. And so I was so proud of right. Natalie as she faced that and and trying to do that along with me being gone almost every week, um, flying out, um, and everything that, that came along with it. It was, uh, I don't know, it was, that, it was this point in both of our lives where we were just extremely open and, you know, I, I guess the fluff went away, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fluff mm-hmm. of the everyday, like, oh, we're doing just fine, no problems. And then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, we have a billion problems. <laughs> and, and they're all hitting and they're all really hard. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was just so proud of her, though. It was just a moment of, like you said, it was very raw. And we just got, we, I just feel like we felt every emotion. And um allowed ourselves to feel those emotions and I think that's a huge part of the healing process is allowing yourself to to feel right I um I feel a lot of time with trials they can make you make or break you you hear that a lot but I don't think people give that statement enough credit because they don't understand how hard it is to allow those trials to make you into somebody better, right? It's so much easier just to throw your hands up and just let life eat you up. And, I mean, you have some pretty good excuses why. But I guess just I'm I'm proud of both of you too, hearing your story more in depth and knowing more of the details about it, how, how much was going on in your guys' life. It just... I mean, I feel like I kind of have this weight on top of me for you guys that you had to go through all of that in such a short time. It's just, it's more than somebody should go through in a lifetime, right? And you guys experienced it in one yeah. year. Sometimes. Um, but instead of. I was just going to say, sometimes we like start to look back at last year and we're like, wait, did that all just happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's kind of, you're kind of like in disbelief, right? I mean, I kind of felt like that through Nate's cancer because it was kind of a similar situation where it's like everything that could happen bad did happen bad. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. It took me like, I mean, it took me a year after him being declared cancer free until I actually like had to really process it. Like it's, it's hard to do. So I'm so glad that you guys have used these trials to come together even more and to push you and I mean, to even just better yourself. We're running short on time. I wish we could <laughs> just talk all night. Um, but for the interest of our listeners, <laughs> trying to keep this about an hour, um, I kind of want to go through a couple more 
rapid okay. fire questions. Answers a little shorter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you guys are great. I've mentioned this before. I I love love having you guys be the ones to talk the entire time. I mean, that's what it's here for. You guys are the ones who have had amazing stories and of trial and triumph and are the inspirational ones. So people don't need to hear from me. Um Okay. So let's recap a tiny bit. David and Natalie started 2017. Losing a job, uh, well, finding you finding out you were pregnant after, I mean, infertility, even in a short amount of time, six months isn't that long, but it feels yeah. long when you want to have a baby. So you kind of struggled with that for a second. Finally got pregnant, probably was super excited, but then Dave lost his job, the stress of all of that, and then he got a new job, but it was a more stressful job with... Um, performance determined his paycheck and then the huge big bomb dropped with Paul and just like I mentioned before it's it's literally something you just hear about on movies or like shows that try to like kind of scare you you know like almost like a bad dream something you never would expect would happen to you or anybody you know like I I mean I it's just so crazy and so it was just this tragic loss of your guys' brother, which flipped around into a beautiful baby girl, but newborns are never easy and all that. David, you were working like crazy. You both were having to process everything that has happened to you, which was a lot. So that's a lot of processing. And then on top of it, Natalie, you had to process things from your past even, which that alone is something hard to do so you guys I mean wow that's just incredible that you guys even survived that and now you're here today like talking about it and being inspirational about it um so what helped you most during that just insane year what was something that you kind of hung on to that helped you get through (sighs) Sorry, I'm gonna like cry. I helped you get through those really difficult times. Yeah, I uh, I guess I'll, I'll go first, and then I'll let you go. Um, <clears throat> at least for me, it was it was really twofold. First, I I uh, I think God would rather have us curse Him in prayer and yell at Him uh, than us not to talk to Him. And so mm-hmm. I would pray and the more I prayed, the more honest I became and the more I was just Mm -hmm. willing to just tell the truth. Like, I think sometimes we go to say a prayer, right. And we're like, Heavenly Father, this is really hard. Oh wait, no, other people have it worse. Never mind. I'm okay. Uh, everything's good. And I will talk to you later, you know? Uh, And and then we wonder why we don't have this relationship. Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. I had I had moments. I had one time Evelyn was screaming. It was three something in the morning, and I just like freaked out. And I just and like I, I walk out and I'm because I, I couldn't get her to stop crying. Um, and we hadn't slept. Like when I would be home, we weren't sleeping. And so I just got on my shoes. Natalie's like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I have to walk." <laughs> and I just went on this walk and I just screamed the whole time. And 
I told him exactly how I felt. And what was amazing was afterwards I felt some answers start to come, some peace start to come, some feeling better. And Mm -hmm. what was amazing was after that, I I actually ended up hiring a coach uh, who helped me really face the darkest parts of myself uh, and face them Mm -hmm. up front and right in my face. uh, And what, and, and so I just really believe this idea. There's, you know, Carl Yoon's got a book on this. He talks about facing the shadow, but I just think as we face the darkest side of ourselves. We also get to face the lightest and the hero. Like we get to face the shadow and the hero. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was it was going into the dark uh, and just admitting that I was angry and frustrated. And I mean, it was just like I got put through a meat grinder and I was so mad about it. Um, and then afterwards came the light. But first I had to be honest. I think often we lie to ourselves and we mm-hmm. lie to others saying like, Hey, life's perfect. There's no problems, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and just saying like, man, this mm-hmm. really sucks. Like I understand that people go through harder trials. I totally get it, but this really is hard for me. And, and I know mm-hmm. I had to do that. And as soon as I did that, what was amazing was the peace that came afterwards. That's when after mm-hmm. facing my darkness is when by far some of the most sacred experiences that I've ever had which gave me peace and closure, um, came afterwards. So that was it for me. Yeah, I mean, I could echo a lot of what David said. Um, during that time, a lot of processing and adjusting to two kids was really hard to start the age gap exactly two years apart and um, the postpartum depression. I just remember being in that low, low state Um I mean, like you said, Casey, um, our trials can make us or break us. And I like the term that he make us bitter or better. And just, it's like we've been talking about just the, it's a choice, um, the bitter and better. I mean, it's just a switch of one little letter. And I just remember each day was so hard and seemed so long and just, trying to have that vision of the bigger picture, having that trust and having that faith, um, taking one day at a time, because that's all we really can do. Um, one thing that was hard for me is because I wanted to try and um, appreciate those newborn days, and I felt really bad because I I found myself um, like thinking, like, oh, this just – this is so hard right now. I just, I can't wait until next year or, or when my girls are older and this is all past. And I think what helped me is taking one day at a time and really trying to appreciate the good amongst the bad, you know, finding, um, cause there were really beautiful moments too. Um, I mean, little live is our, rainbow and a little light in our family and um also what helped so much was um clinging to David um I think trials a lot of the time um can you know you want to push everybody away and it was a, a great time for me and Dave to really um come closer and um 
really rely on the strength of each other because some days I would be so weak and rely on his strength. And then I know days when he'd have to rely on my strength. Um, so I am very grateful for that. And that helped me a lot. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I mean, that's what a marriage should be, right? Is pulling each other up, helping each other combat the hard times. So I'm, I love to hear that you guys turn that into something to strengthen you guys. Um, Man, I'm like seconds away from crying, you guys. I feel so, just so much for you guys. I I personally, I guess I know what it feels like to have so many trials dumped on you and hearing you guys just take it all in stride and having it help you become a better person and just – I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a ball baby. But, um, I think I've already cried out all my tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that feels. I just, uh, man, your guys' story really gets me. And probably because I, you guys are my dear friends too. So I well, feel even more for you guys. It's but, funny. Sometimes um, it's weird to talk about because we feel like we're like describing a country song. It's like, and, and then this now. <laughs> And, and then this happened. And then this happened. Right, it's like, you yeah. can't be real. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, I just think that, I just think that as we go through this, and if there's anyone who's listening to this that is going through something hard, there is a reason for it. I just think there is. I, I can't believe any other way. Um, and they're meant mm-hmm. to bless others. Like, you know, I, I don't know if Natalie would have ever gotten the healing she needed if it was for, if it that. I know that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have faced um, I wouldn't have faced my own demons if it wasn't for that. Uh, and and so it's weird. Like Natalie said, right as we started 2018 and and we did that five day fast. And she's like, hey, like life seems to be getting a little easier. And I'm like, I don't think it's getting any easier. I think a little strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are stronger. Yeah. Well, I didn't wish for an easier life, but that we're we'll have the strength to face it. Yeah. Right. And that actually was my next question. What advice do you have for others who are going through yeah. some hard time? So, do you have any other other tidbits of advice? I think, uh, I, at least for me, I just think. It's this opportunity to really to move all the fluff away. That's what a trial does, um, and and we can really determine what it means. You know, we it's it's not something. Sometimes our knee jerk reaction says like, "Oh, this is what this trial means about me." It means that I'm a weak person. It means that uh, that there's something wrong with me. It means that. You know, we'll decide what it means. And really, you get to make that decision. Don't let your knee-jerk, your, the natural mm-hmm. person inside of you make that decision. Don't let your instincts make that decision. You make it. So that's my bit. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, guys, like I said, I could talk to you all night. You guys are both so just great and inspirational. Um. And on that note, I want you guys to talk about what you're doing. I know you started a 
a group on Facebook. So in closing, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you're doing with that and then where people can find you and connect yeah, with you? Um, so a huge thing for 2018 is we just want to do move forward for one and to um, challenge ourselves to be our best self. And so me and Dave came up with um, these five-day challenges that are not comfortable. They're not made to be comfortable, but they're made to um, push us. Um, And actually, um, right before the new year, we did something pretty crazy. Um, We drove up American Fort Canyon and jumped into a frozen lake. Yeah, Yeah, if I had to break the ice to move the ice out of the way. um, yeah, I would. I would never. I don't know how <laughs> he got me to do, do it because I hate cold water even in the summer, and <laughs> somehow. But mm-hmm. we just wanted to do that to, um, you know, as we move forward into 2018. Um, the obstacle is the way. That's what we really believe now. Um, and so, who wants to jump in the cold water? Nobody does. And mm-hmm. so, we did it. Right. And who wants to start off the new year by fasting for five days and only drinking water? You know, nobody does. And so we decided to do that. And then we did this cold showers all last week. And this week we're waking up early and talking about how to do that. And, um, and you know, so we created that group so that if anybody else wants to make 2018 a little better, they're welcome to join. And so you can find us if you look up, you know, David Clark Swenson or Natalie uh, Swenson on on Facebook, or if you just look up the uh, five day challenges uh, um, page and just like it, there's a picture in the profile. There's a picture of a Viking. So if you found that and it says five day challenges with the number five at the beginning, you found the right page. And then we actually we're really excited about something, so we're going to announce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that we've been working on in silent, like we've been kind of quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Um, about a about a year and a half ago, I wrote a, a book, uh, a children's book. I woke up. Well, I was, I was almost asleep. It was 11 something at night. Mm-hmm. I was falling asleep. And then all of a sudden something clicked and I had to get up and write this down. And uh, it turned into a story. And it's going to be, we haven't decided on the name exactly yet, but we do have an illustrator working on it. And we're going to have it released in um, in April. Is what our is what our due date is for it, and um, and it's going to be it's it's the it's the life of a tree, and it's this and it talks about how it's really this story about a tree that goes from a seed and, and it grows up and it goes through trials, and then it gets to talk to the oldest tree in the forest. So it's a little sapling, and it gets to talk to the oldest tree in the forest, and the oldest tree in the forest kind of gives its wisdom um, to this little tree, and so uh, it just. I don't know where it came from, really. You know? it's, it's been interesting because he wrote it about a year ago. Um, and then beginning of this year, we just felt so strongly that it was time to move forward with it. And um, the story itself, we're excited to share it. Um, I think it has a really great lesson, but it reflects so much of what we've learned in this last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was good. I was thinking when you guys were, when you were telling me about that, it's very yeah. applicable to your guys' life right now. That is that is awesome. I'm so excited yeah, to get my hands uh, on that. Yeah, we're really excited about it too. And it's been 
it's just been amazing. I reached, I reached out to this illustrator that me and Natalie both knew when I worked at a different company because we, me and Natalie both worked there and she posted it. Uh, this was like, yeah, this was almost a year ago. And so I talked to her about the illustrations and then it just kind of fell out from under us. And I reached out to her at the mm-hmm. end of this year. I just said, Hey, like Bailey, are you still doing, do you still have an illustration company? She's like, yes, I've been thinking about you and Natalie nonstop for the last three weeks. Um, and thinking that we need to get back together and, and finish that book. And so it's, uh, it's been really amazing. We're going to see what happens, but we're really, really excited about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. And quickly, where can people find you, your personal like Instagram? Or what's the best way for people to reach you if they have any follow-up questions, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, or whatever? So, um, what your so mine is, if you just look up David Clark Swenson, you'll find me. Um, it has a picture of me and, uh, and that Facebook is where I spend a lot of my time just cause I do that for businesses as well. Uh, and, and on my Instagram, it's Dave dot Swenson. You want to find me there. I'm mostly, you can find me on Instagram. It's just Natalie dot Swenson. And then we have a family blog. It's just the Swenson series.com. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so, so, so much. I have enjoyed thoroughly talking to you guys. Um, I, I mean, personally, I've been just excited to know the whole, because I feel like I got like bits and pieces of your guys' amazing story and then hearing it all in totality is just, just blew my mind. I mean, obviously, you, I got emotional about it. It's just incredible. So thank you for taking thank the time you. tonight. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we were so excited when we yeah. heard that you were launching this. And, um, we're excited for you. Yeah. I love the <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. You guys are, I mean, perfect. Perfect for the, my hope for this, for this podcast is to just show people that we all go through hard times. I mean, variety of different ways but that there is always, I love the analogy you use, there's yeah. always light with the darkness, right? And it's been so enlightening to me to hear how so many different people have found their light through their their dark and their hard trials and stuff. So thank you for being brave enough to share yours, and hopefully this yeah, helps we, some we, people. We hope so. And um, Thank you, Casey, really. We, yeah. we, we've loved being on it and telling our story, and uh, it's been a blast. We love you and Nate. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, love you guys too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Hope it brought you a little bit of knowledge, inspiration, and a good hour to your day. Don't forget to subscribe. And we'll see you next week.